Go ahead and get in your Bible to Hebrews 13. Delaney, you guys sing today, don't you? Okay. That was good. I was praying for the right people then. Well, welcome to Marriage uh, 101. Uh, I think we're on maybe week six out of uh, 14. And uh, I'm glad you chose to be here. Uh, we have all different sorts of circumstances from people who are soon to be married to people who've been married a long time, uh, but we do have this much in common. Everybody here does want to make their marriage and, and their home uh, relationships better, and so I'm glad uh, that you're here and uh, investing uh, in that. Uh, we obviously, as this goes on, uh, though not really so much so today, are going to be talking about some more sensitive subjects and uh, that are really not for uh, common public consumption, but important to talk about as married couples. And uh, as I tell you every week, uh, these things that I teach in here, uh, they're not things that neither myself nor my wife uh, do perfectly. Uh, I will say that as the years have gone on, we've just passed our 35th wedding anniversary, that the more we've kept these things, the better we've done at them, uh, the better our home has gotten. Um, you know, my wife, uh, she's not feeling well this morning, but uh, she would tell you the same thing. We have a happy, peaceful, uh, loving home, and uh, there are some areas in my life I wouldn't want to give anybody, uh, but uh, one of the areas I would give you, I, I, I would give you the marriage that, that God's given me, and uh, I, I would really uh, encourage you to keep investing in, in, in that. Um, before we answer questions that have been turned in, I'm going to go over those nine things that we go over every week because I just want to plant them deeply in your mind, uh, both for yourself and for other people, everybody in this room. I mean, you're going to have people at work, people in your family are, are going to talk to you about all kinds of uh, marriage issues. And so the more you understand these things and can articulate them, the more you not only help yourself, uh, but you'll be able to help other people too. Uh, the first thing, remember, nothing can be taken back that's done so far. Uh, what's done is done. Uh, number two, all that we can hope to change is today and tomorrow. Uh, it can change uh, by the grace of God and get better. Number three, if you're struggling, you didn't get where you are in a day. You didn't get where you are in a week. You didn't get where you are in a month. Uh, and so you're not going to get out in a week or a day or a month, but by the grace of God, uh, and doing the right sorts of things, you can get out, and it can be good. Uh, number four, there's only one person you can control. Uh, it's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's you. And so I ask that uh, in this class you focus on yourself and what the Lord would have you to hear, and in your home that you would focus on yourself. Uh, you can't control your spouse, but when you control yourself, what you've done is you've put your spouse in the best possible circumstances to do better in, in their role. Number five, there's always hope as long as God is involved. Uh, God is love. If you've never loved, if you don't love anymore, if you don't love enough, uh, you need to have God involved. Uh, God is love. Uh, somebody sarcastically said, when we met, uh, you were looking good from afar, but now that we're married, uh, you're far from looking good. Uh, someone also sarcastically said, men with a pierced ear are better prepared for marriage because they've already experienced pain and bought jewelry. Uh, on a more serious note, uh, happily ever after is not a fairy tale, uh, it's a choice. Uh, on a more serious note, love doesn't make the world go around. 
uh, but it does make the ride more enjoyable. Uh, God is love. You can begin to love. You can love again. You can love more. We must be yielded more to the God who is love. Uh, number six, no one's assured to have a great marriage if you're raised in a great home. You can fail. Number seven, no one is destined to repeat the home in which you were raised. If your home was bad, you can succeed. Number eight, the marriage that you're in now is the marriage you're supposed to be working on. And number nine, the person to whom you're married now is the person to whom you're supposed to be married. I know I've said this multiple times, uh, and for those of you who are really young and not yet married, uh, this might just seem outlandish to you, but it, I would say it would be very rare for somebody not to go through a season where you wonder if you married the right person. I would say that would be normal to go through that kind of a season. I didn't say it's right thinking. I just said it's a common struggle. And I'm just saying to you, the person to whom you're married now is a person to whom you're supposed to be married. And uh, you guys have turned in a lot of questions, and uh, obviously I saved them from times past when I've taught this class to uh, bring up questions that I thought uh, will help us apply things we've talked about. Um, and then um, we'll get to our lesson. Uh, here's the first question. My husband blames me for not accepting his role as a leader in our home, even when his decisions are not good. How can I help him see this without hurting his confidence? Uh, the first thing you have to do is you've got to honestly face whether your husband is providing good leadership and or you're not providing good fellowship. See, it's real easy to say my husband's not a good leader. And if you're not the kind of person who ever gets any wise counsel on big decisions, you're really going to struggle to, to know which one of those is true. See, when you get wise counsel on big decisions, it's either going to expose his lack of good decision-making or your lack of humble following. Uh, and, and so the first thing you've got to do, you just got to face the situation honestly. If your husband really is not providing good leadership, then you just you pick a couple of clear examples, uh, make the issue a matter of prayer, uh, pick a good time and a good tone, and, and talk to him about it. Uh, keep him around men who are more mature and are good decision makers. That will rub off on him. Uh, if it's you, uh, the first quality of being a, a good follower of Jesus and being a good follower of anybody who's supposed to be providing leadership for us is humility. And um, it's a hard thing, man. Being humble is so contrary to our nature. But... Uh, Figure out what honestly is going on, and, and then uh, work on uh, that. And by the way, I really commend you on grasping that how you handle your husband's leadership ultimately will have a lot to do with whether he becomes a confident uh, leader or not. Good job on that. Uh, question number two, how can I re re recognize that my spouse is so stressed so that I can react well and help them? Um, the first thing I would say is that when you get to whatever part of the day when you and your spouse finally get together, instead of beginning conversations with what might be the most important to you or maybe the most uh, controversial, why don't you not talk about those first? Why, why don't you, when you first get together, why don't you just talk about more general things that are not controversial and, and try to figure out what's going on? 
you know what, nobody, husbands and wives are not robots. You know, sometimes we do have bad days. Sometimes we are tired. You you know, sometimes, you know, you are fighting uh, hormonal changes. Uh, You know what? Those are realities of life. It it doesn't mean that it's okay to just give in to those things. But but spend your time first just gauging the situation. And then, you know what? If if it is a bad time or a, a bad day, you know what, maybe um, most of the time some of the things that are, are more irritating and controversial, you know what, they can wait and, and wait. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, sometimes, you know, you do. It, it just has to be handled uh, at that particular time. But, you know, pick the best time you possibly can. Uh, I, I don't really ever recommend that the first thing you do when you get home from work or the first thing you do when you meet your spouse is just unload about your day. You, you, you know, that, uh, why would you do that? Uh, when I worked uh, a secular job, and I mean, now I've got a three-minute drive home, uh, and I had a longer drive home, what I did was I spent my drive home trying to get myself in the right frame of mind. Uh, my wife did not need me bringing home from work some cranky guy from a bad day in the office, and my kids didn't need a dad who was at the end of his rope. And so I would spend that time on the way home trying to get my heart and mind in the right frame of mind to bring home a better person to my wife and children. And by the way, I recommend that for everybody. You know, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you know what? Uh, Spend the 30 minutes before your spouse gets home getting yourself in a good frame of mind. Uh, I just think that's helpful. Uh, Question number three, my wife wants to homeschool our children. How do I tell her I don't think she can educate our children very well? Um, the way we choose to educate our, our children um, is one of the most important decisions you make in life. And um, unfortunately, nearly everyone, when they're making that decision, has other people in your ear trying to get you to do what they're doing. Uh, it doesn't matter which group it is. The people who are in a Christian school, they're trying to get everybody into Christian school. The people who homeschool, they're trying to pressure everybody to homeschool. The people in the public school, they're trying to pressure everybody to go into public school. You need to make the decision that's right and best for your family. And, and quite, fr- quite frankly, some kids need different things than others. Some moms have different strengths than others. Some school systems have different strengths than others. Listen, if homeschool and Christian school were the silver bullet that is supposed to work for every child, why do 70-plus percent of the kids that finish that, why are they outside of their faith by the time they graduate from high school? You, you, you know, you can make all the arguments that you want, but if that is the success rate of it, you know, there's something we're missing there. Do what's right. For your family and leave everybody else alone. Uh, I will say this, uh, if whatever system you pick, when you finish up, if your child is poorly educated and doesn't have enough character to get out of bed and live and work by a schedule, you've failed in any system that you choose. Yeah. Question number four. Um, How do I better support my wife emotionally when I don't understand her emotions? Uh, First off, no husband ever fully understands his wife, and no wife ever fully understands their husband. You you, you can't. 
You're, you're two different human beings with two different perspectives. And, and you don't have to understand somebody to support them. Uh, you can make effort. You can listen. You don't always have to agree. You can still make effort. You can still make listen. And you can listen. And I would recommend that. And, uh, you know, try to understand them as best as you can. That's a part of growing in a relationship. The more time you spend together, you know, after you've been together a few years, you pretty much have an idea about what your spouse thinks about almost everything. That's not a bad thing. Uh, just be supportive. Uh, it's a part of loving somebody and um, uh, being patient with them. Uh, and, and everybody can do that. Um, now, I'm not sure. Um, today we're going to talk about good communication uh, as husbands and wives. Uh, I'm not sure. Next week we will either begin spending two weeks on fair fighting or we might uh, spend a week on uh, the physical relationship with the husband and wife. Still praying and, and, and thinking about that. Be one of those two things, I, I, I think. Uh, it should be in your Bible to Hebrews chapter uh, 13. By the way, when you have better communication, you'll have less serious disagreements. And so basically, we're going to spend our lesson talking about some pointers uh, for uh, good communication. I, I won't ask you to lift your hand, but if I, uh, I, if I ask you to lift your hand and say, uh, you know what, we uh, sometimes have some, some, some communication issues in our house, everybody would put their hand up. And um, so, so let's, just talk, let's just talk about it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 15. Uh, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Did you notice in verse 15 that it is a sacrifice at times for us to praise God? Uh, it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult because at times, let's just be honest, from an earthly perspective, we don't understand what God is doing. And at that moment, we can't see the goodness of God. At that moment, we can't see the love of God for us. And so by faith, we make the sacrifice. In other words, we don't feel like doing this. It costs us something. We praise God anyway because we know who God is. Uh, but notice also in verse 16 another sacrifice, but to do good and to communicate, forget, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased now, it doesn't surprise us that doing good is a sacrifice at times, but it does surprise us that communicating is a sacrifice at times. And, of course, the first application of, of this is to communicate uh, the Word of God and, and the message of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, that's a sacrifice. But, you know, the, the first thing this morning is, number one, good communication is always a sacrifice. It's going to cost us something. It's going to be difficult at times. Now, a lot of people, when it comes to communication, they hide behind the fact that they're not naturally good talkers as an excuse to not even try to improve their communication. I want you to hear me. Good communication is always learned behavior. Now, there are people who are naturally talkers, 
but they're not good communicators. Don't lift your hand. But we all know people who talk a lot but communicate almost nothing of value. Who talk a lot but never seem to recognize what the key points or issues are as they talk. Okay? Being a good talker and being a good communicator, they're two different things. You can be a naturally, a natural talker. Uh, but everyone who's a good communicator has learned how to be a good communicator. Uh, by the way, for the most part, people who are, who are natural talkers are not natural listeners. And communication is not just about what we say. It's also about what we hear. Um, Good communication reduces the chance of one or both of us expecting something different than our spouse expects. Remember, we spent a whole week talking about expectations and that if our expectations are wrong, it has the power to make us happy or unhappy with the same thing. I mean, if, for, for instance, if one spouse is expecting their other spouse to be home at 5.30 and have dinner, and the other spouse... Uh, is not expecting or to get home to six and eat before they get there. Listen, there's going to be two unhappy people. And it all goes back to, did you communicate what was going to happen at the end of the day? Uh, for instance, uh, when it comes to good communication and making a sacrifice, the first thing is, is somebody's got to take the lead in communication. Uh, now, a lot of times, uh, that's the lady. I realize that not in every relationship is, is the lady the better talker uh, and, and communicator, but that probably is more common than the other way around. They'll both happen. But, but somebody has to take the lead in communication, and, and that's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice because anybody who's always taken the lead to make something good happen, you just grow weary of it. I mean, why can't my, why can't my partner ever communicate? Why can't they ever uh, make sure our plans are clear? Why can't they ever talk about what's going to happen at the end of the day? Why can't they ever talk about what we're going to do next weekend? Somebody has to make the sacrifice to take the lead in communication. Somebody has to decide we need to communicate about what's going to happen here and then. Uh, here's the second reason communication is a sacrifice. Uh, someone must make the sacrifice to accept the way their spouse communicates. Very often, people don't communicate the same way. Now, when I stand here and say that some people communicate, but they don't communicate well verbally, they're nonverbal communicators, everybody would shake their, say, their head and they say, yes, that's right. But here's the problem. When someone doesn't communicate the way we communicate, we automatically just say, well, they didn't communicate. When the reality of the matter is, is they did communicate, they just didn't communicate the same way we communicate. I, I was meeting uh, uh, with a couple one time, and, um, you know, with some marriage issues, and she was complaining that um, uh, he, uh, she had made this decision, and he wasn't happy with it, and he hadn't communicated to her uh, what he wanted in the situation, and if so from her perspective, uh, he had no reason to be upset with her. And what I asked her was this. I said, okay, so he didn't talk to you about it. Did you know what he wanted? And she said, well, yes. 
I said, well, he did communicate. He just didn't communicate the way you wanted him to communicate, so you used that as an excuse to do what you wanted. See, if you know what your spouse wants in a situation, they have communicated whether they said a word or not. See, it's a sacrifice because somebody has to take the lead, and it's a sacrifice because somebody's going to have to accept the way the other person communicates, and it's different from you. By the way, for every nonverbal person in here who just said, yeah, that's right, you know what, you need to accept the way that your spouse needs to communicate verbally. Uh, Good communication is learned behavior, whether you're a talker or a nonverbal person. See, both people are going to have to sacrifice because they both need to take time and they both need to listen. And we don't like to make either one of those sacrifices. Uh, People who are productive human beings and faithful Christians are always busy people. Always. You, You better embrace that or you're going to have to give up either being a faithful Christian or a productive human being, uh, because both those things take time. By the way, busy and hurried are two different things. But if you are going to be a productive human being and a faithful Christian, you are going to be a busy person, and it's going to be hard for you both to sacrifice the time to communicate. Because communication, as I said earlier, is not just talking. It is also listening, and we struggle to be good listeners. I think I don't really surprise anybody when I say that, for the most part, social media has ruined most people's ability to communicate. I mean, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, all of those things, what they have done is is they have caused us uh, uh, texting. Uh, They've caused us, they've made us bad communicators. Does anybody but me get weary of the fact that it's, socially acceptable for someone to text you a question and you not answer that text. See, see, anything that ends with a question mark, you're supposed to respond. I text people all the time questions and, and they don't even answer. And I'm like, what's up with that? You know, here, here's a, anybody, and you can lift your hand in this. Anybody ever send a text or an email that you know you're sent that they didn't get? I've had, the, I had a mom one time was furious with me. Came in the office. She said, "My daughter wrote you an email and poured her heart to you. Out to you. How could you not answer?" I said, "I didn't get the email. I would never do that." But, but see, because we've wrongly accepted this societal norm of someone by Facebook or uh, text or or somebody asking a question and not responding, you you know what, we've really hurt our ability to get along. Can, Can I just say this? One of the best things you'll ever do in your communication is always respond. If you've ever sent me a text, you know this. If I got it, minimally, I hit the letter K, send. And if I didn't hit K, send, it means I didn't get it. See, communication is not just us saying something or us typing something. Communication is somebody 
getting that and responding to that. That's what communication is. And if we don't recognize what social media is doing to us and to our children, we are going to really not just handicap ourselves as communicators, we're going to handicap our children. Any, and don't lift your hand for this, but I would imagine every parent here would like to say, do you know what, I want to prepare my child for marriage, and I grasp now that good communication is a part of a healthy marriage. I need to help my child become a good communicator. Responding is part of that. And, and by the way, limiting your children's screen time is a part of that too. Now, most talkers, as I said earlier, who are good talkers naturally are not good listeners naturally. In fact, few people, whether they're a talker or not, start marriage as a good listener. It's a sacrifice to be a listener. Don't lift your hand. I'll lift mine. I would prefer to talk than listen. Most talkers are like that. Um... You better recognize that you need to listen. Don't lift your hand. But I would imagine most men are like me. I can't have a serious conversation and watch television. I just can't do it. You, uh, my wife, I think, can, but I can't. I, I mean, I can do one thing at a time. I mean, literally, just one. And if it actually matters, I have to turn it off. And so you've got to recognize this about yourself and about your spouse if they're like that and say, do you know what, uh, let's turn the television off. And by the way, if it's an important matter, why don't you wait another 23 minutes till their program is done and then talk to them instead of beginning an important subject with them frustrated because you had them pause something they wanted to watch. I mean, important, like Sports Center. I mean, listen, I mean, pretty much everything my wife picks on the television to watch, I think is dumb. And you know what? Uh, she's not here. Uh, everything I watch, I would speak for her and say, do you know what? Uh, everything I watch is dumb. But, but see, because good communication uh, requires someone who's taking the lead and someone who listens, uh, it's a sacrifice. And, and so you need to be careful when you try to do it. Uh, it's a sacrifice because you have to put your phone down. Anybody besides me ever in the middle of a conversation with somebody and uh, they got their phone sitting there upside down and you're talking to them and they just stop mid-sentence and look at it because it beeped? Anybody else get irritated by that? Anybody else feel like somebody's not really listening? Anybody else feel like that makes you what you're saying to them a low priority? Anybody else think that if we really think about that, we're a lot smarter if we're ever having any conversation just to put our phone down? To just decide, uh, you know what, I'm not going to interrupt my face-to-face -face conversation because, beep, and you look and it's some picture of their lunch. Oh, wow, that's such a nice burrito. Oh, thank you. Like. I mean, I mean, but can't you see how, how these dumb social habits, they're hurting our relationships. And they're hurting us as communicators. Are you making the sacrifice to communicate? Do you listen to your spouse? Do you try to grow and be a better communicator? 
Are you making the sacrifice to allow your spouse to communicate in ways that they communicate at this time? I didn't say don't hope that they grow to be uh, a better communicator, but are you listening for the way they communicate now? And if you really want to minimize the frustrations and the conflicts in your marriage, you begin to make the sacrifice to communicate. But that's not all it takes to be a good communicator. Go, please, next in your Bible back to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. I call this God's hate list. You can call it whatever you want. Um, and, and by the way, if you haven't grown to understand the real God well enough to know that he not only loves, he also hates some things. I didn't say hates some people. I said he hates some things. Notice what it says in Proverbs six sixteen: These six things that the Lord hate. A seven are abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and run into mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, he that soweth discord among brethren. Um, here's the interesting thing to me about that list for today. Did you notice that three of those seven things that God hates have to do with our words? Did you catch that? Uh, the second thing was a lying tongue. And the sixth and seventh thing from verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies. And the seventh thing is somebody sowing discord among brethren. Seven, three of the seven things that God says, I hate these things so badly that they're an abomination to me. Three of them have to do with our words. And so here, here's the second part for good communication. Good communication requires integrity and transparency. Integrity and transparency. God hates a lying tongue. He hates a false witness. He hates anyone sowing discord. And by the way, when you, have t you and I have integrity and transparency, we will never intentionally lie. We will never intentionally uh, sow discord. In other words, say something that would uh, tear down another relationship or someone's view of someone. When we have integrity and transparency. I hope you're not one of these people that have this crazy idea that what you say doesn't matter much. That is so false. See, integrity pleases God, and a lack of integrity grieves God. And listen to me, it whittles away at the trust your spouse has in you. If you've never come to realize that trust is not something that is just given, it is also earned, then you've not thought about what trust really is. Now, most younger people, they, purpose, they have to purposely improve on their integrity. And uh, it's a part, generally speaking, of being immature. It's not right. Every parent should be working on this. But you know what? They're just used to lying and deceiving to get their way, to hide from their parents, their spiritual leaders, and just to get by and work in school. That mean, mean that is a part of immaturity. That's a part of what we're doing as parents is helping them with that. And you know what? We bring those things into our marriage and we have to improve on it. Um, transparency, in addition to integrity, it builds trust. I want you to hear this statement. When you have nothing to hide, 
You have no reason to fear your spouse knowing anything they want to know. Did you hear me? When you have nothing to hide, you have no reason to fear your spouse wanting to know anything they want to know. If my wife wants to see my phone, here. Uh, if I'm texting somebody and, and she's around and she says, who you're texting, I will tell her and I say, here, you want to see it? She asked me who I went to uh, with lunch today. I'll tell her. See, when, when we grasp that we are first and foremost responsible to God, we find it a very small thing to have integrity and transparency with any person, starting with our spouse. Transparency and integrity build trust. Several people have turned in questions like, how do I rebuild trust? Well, that takes two things. It takes one person who's willing to live with transparency and integrity, and it takes another person who's willing to allow trust to be rebuilt. And if you don't have both things, trust can never be rebuilt. If you won't have one person who will live with integrity and transparency, trust can't be rebuilt. And no matter how much integrity and transparency they live with, if this person refuses to rebuild trust, you can't build trust. I hope you see how important integrity and transparency are to good communication. Uh, because of integrity and good communication, I always tell my wife where I'm going and when I'll be home. And if I'm not going to go there or I'm not going to be home then, I will text her and let her know where, what I did instead. Uh, I don't want my wife to ever feel any angst because she wonders where I am or who I'm with. I, I don't look at that. So, some of you guys, are uh, men and women, you're so immature that to tell your spouse where you're going, why you're going there, and when you're going to be home, you think, well, they're not my mom or dad. You're an idiot. That's just a part of having a healthy relationship and being transparent and having integrity. Uh, you should never have a secret life from your spouse. Every secret life will eventually be exposed. Uh, it's in, what is it, Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. I, I doubt that anybody ever had an adulterous affair who first didn't have some kind of a secret life. Integrity, transparency. It, it ought to be a red flag in, in your mind if you ever feel like, you know what, I need to delete this off my phone or off my computer. Something's wrong. If anybody ever says to you, don't tell, don't tell your wife, uh, don't uh, tell your dad, don't tell the pastor. If anybody uses that phrase, it ought to immediately be some flag that goes up the pole and says, well, what? Wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? When you can't live with integrity and transparency to key people in your life, something's wrong. Now, ideally, by the way, most people, if you're in here and you're young, uh, transparency is something you're going to have to grow into. Um, 
everybody understands. I mean, the dating process, understand, is really, it's not about transparency. It's about hiding. The, the dating process by nature is you hiding anything that you're afraid might break up that relationship. And then after you're married, it ultimately comes out because everything comes out. And then now you have to deal with it. And so because your relationship begins with this lack of transparency because you don't want the relationship to end, I mean, understand that the early parts of your marriage, you're going to have to work through becoming better at your integrity and better at your transparency because that's part of good communication. Now, ideally, good communication is something you saw in the home in which you grew up. And ideally, you had parents who, as you became an older child and a teenager, helped you learn to communicate and, and to have integrity and transparency. But understand, if you didn't have that, these are all learned behaviors. And no matter where you are in life, you can add them. Let me ask you, are you living a transparent life with your spouse? Are you communicating with integrity to them? Do you have a secret life? And lastly, go ahead to Proverbs 27. Good communication requires sacrifice. Good communication requires integrity and transparency. Proverbs 27:14. I, I like this verse. It's a cool verse to me. Great Bible principle. Proverbs 27:14. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it should be counted a, a curse to him. In other words, if you say a good thing at the wrong time, it's a bad thing. Do you see that in there? Good communication involves good timing and choosing your subjects wisely. See, a lot of bad communication occurs because we're not careful. You've heard me say multiple times in, in this, when you have something that's a big enough concern to you, find one or two clear examples, spend time praying about it, pick a good time, pick a good tone, have the conversation. Timing matters when it comes to communication. It is a lie for someone to tell you we talk about everything. Now, when I was young... And more stupid. Um, when somebody said, yeah, we talk about everything, I said, oh, wow, that's so neat. But the reality of the matter is, is whoever said that either uh, doesn't mean it or has never really thought it through. I mean, li listen, do you really want your husband to let you know every time he thinks some lady is attractive that walks by you? Do you really, uh, brother, do you want your wife to tell you every time she thinks that was really a bad decision? Is that what you really want? Do you really want each other to say everything that goes through your mind? See, it's not a positive quality to tell somebody everything. It's a positive quality to tell somebody like your spouse everything they actually need to know and anything that would help them. And if they don't need to know it and it would hurt them, why are you telling them? By the way, do you know what that, you know what that lady behind us said about you, your hair this morning? Why are you telling that to your wife? What good is that? Not for hair is really bad. Maybe she did need to know it and you have to pass it on. And you'll pass it on from that other vehicle instead of what you really thought for yourself. But I, I, I'm just saying, uh, good communication... is good timing and good subjects.
I guarantee you, every husband here doesn't want to know every negative thought about him that goes through his wife's mind. I, I guarantee you. And lastly, and we don't have any time to talk about this, but if you take notes, just write down Matthew 5.37. Good communication includes being understood. And so we need to communicate in the way that is least likely to be misunderstood. Jesus said in that verse, let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. You know what? I have failed as a communicator if I spoke truth to you and you didn't understand it. I mean, communication is not just uh, conveying information. Uh, communication is conveying information and that information is received. And so we need to pick a way that uh, is understandable when we communicate. I mean, understand, silence communicates, but it's easily misunderstood. Body language communicates, but it's easily misunderstood. Texting communicates, but it's easily misunderstood. Can I give you one basic rule that will really help you when it comes to communication? The more important the issue, the more important face-to-face -face communication is. If it's important, don't talk about it over text, as if that's actually talking. And I have to stop, because I'm two minutes over already. But, but I hope you, you will consider these things uh, as you think about uh, communicating. And uh, next week, uh, we'll either start on fair fighting or a husband-wife physical relationship. God bless you. You're dismissed.